0: Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today, as part of my summer reboot series, I am bringing back my episode with Dr. Nicola Conlon. She is going to talk to us all about NAD, and she is the founder of Nushido and the supplement that I have personally been using for a long time now. It is called Time Plus, and it is to boost my NAD. Now, what is NAD? Why do you care? Why would you want it? Why would you need it? Well, NAD is extremely important for energy, and it's also really important for us to age well, and it declines significantly as we age. So we definitely want to take the right supplement because I personally have tried, they call them precursors, and it didn't work for me. It didn't work for my husband, and neither of us noticed anything. And then we both started Nushito's Time Plus, and we both see Difference and feel a difference. And I always say, as a nutritionist, I always say it's really important to feel the difference, especially with a supplement such as this that should have a really positive impact on our energy levels because it directly should affect our mitochondria, which are the energy factories within every one of our cells. So this is one of those supplements, you really should feel it. I have a discount for you all if you do want to try it. But like I say, with everything else, you have to give it time. So don't think that you're going to, you know, take one bottle and be like, yeah, I don't feel it. Use it for a little while. See if it works for you and give it a try. Use my discount, SandyK10 for 10% off your first order. Couple of announcements. I'm going to be continuing with my summer reboot series. The reason I do this is because people are on vacation. People go to the cottage. The kids are home from school. You know, I want to make sure that my podcast gets all the attention it deserves. And in the summer, we're all a little distracted. Even I am. So I will say definitely share. All of my episodes with your friends, your family, anyone who you think might benefit, because sharing and reviewing are two of the best ways for my podcast just to be seen in this giant world of podcasts. If you would like to sponsor my show, I am in discussions with some new sponsors come the fall. Definitely send me an email. Sandy at SandyKNutrition.ca, and I'll send you over a media kit. We can talk. Lastly, go follow me on Instagram at SandyKNutrition. I'm also on TikTok, Twitter, Pinterest. Um, where else am I? Oh, why don't you go? I do have a page on Facebook, just Sandy K Nutrition. But I also have a private group on Facebook as well. It's Sandy K Nutrition Health and Lifestyle Queen podcast. And now I'm going to cut on through to the interview with Dr. Nicola Conlin, so that you can educate yourself all about NAD and why this supplement may be the right thing for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, I have Dr. Nicola Conlin. She is an accomplished molecular biologist who specializes in the study of aging as a complex disorder. Now, I actually reached out to Nicola because I have heard of her. I've heard of her company and I've listened to other podcasts of colleagues and I love what she stands for. And as all my listeners know, I'm always looking to age better. I mean, aging is inevitable, but I want to age better. So Nicola is also the co-founder of Nishido. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. A company that brings potent life enhancing science to the public, including products like NAD, which is what we're going to really talk about and delve deep in today. So welcome, Nicola.
1: Hi, Sandy. It's lovely to be here with you.
0: Yes, I am so happy that you're here. And, you know, you're going to probably laugh because I said to my son today, I am going to be interviewing a doctor of molecular biology. Do you think I'm going to be able to speak On her level, you know, yes, I have a little science background from school, but anyway, I want to make sure that we are able to bring to my audience the powers of NAD and really break it down and talk about how it can help us. So maybe start with how you got into this side of wellness, which is, you know, really aging well.
1: Yeah of course and, and just before I start just to put your little comment about saying to your son you know <laughs> am I going to be able to understand and am I going to be able to speak on the same level well you know one of my personal missions is actually being able to try and explain science in more layman terms and um, so that people can actually access it and and really understand it and, and enjoy it and um, so I hope I'm able to do that for your audience, because I I think it it is something that is lacking in science, um, unfortunately, but it's so important that we talk about, you know, what's going on in in our labs and what it is that we're doing. Um, So so yeah, I have no doubt that you'll be absolutely fine. Oh,
0: you know what? (laughs) That is so good because I don't know if anybody, I don't know if you're on Clubhouse, but I've actually gone into some groups where I'm just like, okay, you know what? That's good for me, but I'm out just because I think that, understanding science just at a, yeah, in in more layman's terms is really important because that's what's going to make you go, yeah, I want that. I need that. And I, I, I I need that for me personally.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, how did, how did I get into aging? That's a, a, a question. Um, so, so my background, as we mentioned, I'm a scientist. Um, and actually, my career before I started um, Nichito, um was actually in drug development. Um, so my, my very early background in science was all about how drugs and nutrients are absorbed in the body. So when you take a pill or you take a supplement or you even eat something, how is it that the drug or the molecules or the nutrients actually go from being in your mouth to then passing through your your gut wall and actually going around the body and then ultimately entering the cells where they actually have their action? Um, So... That's something called bioavailability, um, and that's that's what I specialised in, um, which is what ultimately led me into a career of drug development. Because obviously, in drug development, it's really important when you're developing drugs that you're able to understand how they're going to react in the body and where they're going to go in the body, right? <laughs> and and, they gonna and get what it can and,
0: and what it can turn on and off, right? Because as we yeah. know, with drugs and even with supplements, like there's got to be that balance, right?
1: Exactly. You know, drugs are, we would describe them as promiscuous molecules. Ah. <laughs> um, they don't just interact with single things in the body. They interact with a lot of different things. Um, and and yeah, so af- after I, that that was sort of early days, what I really trained and specialized in. Um, and then I moved, you know, properly from academia into industry, um, into the world of pharmaceuticals. Um because um, I was very naive and thought, you know, I want I want my science to actually benefit people. How's it going to benefit people? Well, drugs, <laughs> mm. you know, drug development and medicines and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, when I was working in drug development, I soon kind of realized that that was a bit short sighted. And actually, it takes an awful long time to get any Break, you know, breakthrough science um, to a person. If you rely on drug development, because that generally takes ten to fifteen years, it costs hundreds of millions of pounds. There's loads of regulatory red tape to get through, um, and it, it's very, very complicated. Um, so, anyway, that was the industry I ended up in, and that's actually where I, when I became really interested in aging research um, and in the science behind why we age, but perhaps more importantly, why we get sicker as we age or why we feel worse as we age. Yeah. Um, and the, the reason for that is, um, if you look at all of the major diseases that we suffer as a society now, um, so things like um, cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, diabetes, your biggest risk factor of getting any of those diseases is actually age, So, you know, everyone talks about diet and lifestyle and nutrition and all sorts of different things. But actually, putting on years is actually the worst thing you can do for your health. Right.
0: Um, And why is that? Is that just because our bodies are not as efficient as they used to be?
1: It's it's a complex mixture of different things. I mean, ultimately, you know, the reasons behind it is that... we get an accumulation of damage in the cells, um, and and really the reason behind this is actually we we as humans and the way we are built is we are not designed to live as long as we're living today. So if you look at um, you know lifespan graphs, it, 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 it's only very recently that we've started living beyond age fifty. And, you know, go rewind a couple of hundred years, we would be really, really, really lucky (laughs) um, if we made it to 50, because we would have probably died of um, childbirth or of an abscess in our tooth or, you know, an infection. Um, But now, because of you know, improved healthcare, sanitation, modern medicine, we're actually suddenly, very suddenly got these really much longer lifespans. However, evolution and the way we're built has designed us to be good at living young, but not be good at being old.
0: hundred percent. And I yeah, was going to say that. Yeah. It's
1: this problem where we've suddenly as a society and humanity really, really changed the, the length of life, but evolution takes a long time and our bodies haven't caught up. So I always like to get people to think of it as like, our bodies are really good at being young and repairing themselves when they're young and being really efficient when they're young, but we're not good at being old because that's not what we were designed for. So things that, you know, genetically things that would actually help us be good at being old aren't selected for by the process of natural selection because we've never lived long enough for it to be, for them to be beneficial. Okay. We only live long enough for the genes that are, make us good at being young to be passed to the next generation.
0: I, I was, so, I'd I love to know, just as an aside, because I always talk about this, even in my own practice, is that it seems like, yeah, we're living longer, but we're living sicker.
1: Yeah, and, and there's, a, there's a, a sort of description for that. So we always like to get people to think of this difference between your lifespan... Which is ultimately just the number of years that you're actually gonna live versus your health span, which is the number of years that you'll actually live in good health. Um, and what you find is that health span is much shorter than lifespan. Yes. And we're, you know, we're spending I think it's roughly about a twenty percent period at the end of our lives where we have lost our health span. So we're actually living with multiple diseases, we are frail, um, we have, you know, uh, loss of independence, and we're not able to live our lives like we'd want to be. Um, And one of the key, you know, the key motivations within the research that we do and, you know, the whole of the the field of, of aging research is to actually narrow that gap between health span and lifespan. So actually, we're extending the period that we're in good health um, and not ending up stuck in a care home for 20 right. years or you know, requiring um, care or loads of medications. It's about being able to live healthy as long as possible.
0: Oh, my God, that's everything that I live for now is understanding how to get a, that health span and how to narrow that that gap. 100%. You know, I look at my parents and I, I, I emulate a lot of how they live because my father's almost 84. He'll be 84 in April. He bikes to my house still. Um, you know, he's definitely got a few creaks in there and some, yeah. some issues. But for the most part, he's got amazing quality of life, as does my mom. And so and that's I want that. I want that exact thing. And We've all had cancer. I think that we've all also learned. I have. I've learned to change things in my life, um, and and so I think when you live a certain way, you can do more to get to achieve this.
1: Yeah. Exactly. And and, you know, this is such a big area of research. And this is why I ended up getting into it, because most of the time, you would never associate a drugs company with with aging. But actually, behind the scenes, there is an awful lot of time and effort now being put into research and the reasons behind why we age and more importantly, trying to slow our rate of aging. And that's because, you know, at the minute, we have all these different diseases. Um, So cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, for example, the risk is going up as we age. But at the moment, we have, you know, particular groups of scientists that only focus on dementia and people that only focus on cancer, and we treat them all very, very separately. However, if you think, well, actually, the root cause of all of these things you know, the root risk factor is age. So what happens if you flip this idea in the head and say, well, is age the disease? And actually cancer, heart disease, and dementia are symptoms of aging.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. You know, I actually recently started hearing that more and more that aging is the disease. And all of the other factors come into play because of aging.
1: Yeah. Wow. So so that's that's one you know, when this was first proposed in the field, um, I have to say that the majority of of scientists were just like, that's a crazy idea. Mm -hmm. Um, like it's, it's so stupid, basically like agents is natural thing. You can't do anything about it. Yes. It may be a root cause, but it's, it just happens. And it's, it's a fact of life almost. Um, but there was a a, quite a, you know, a, a strong group of scientists that said no we're going to test this we're going to what we're going to do is we our theory is if we treat aging as a disease and try and slow aging or reverse aging we want to see if we can actually have impact on health span. so can we reduce the incidence of all of those diseases in one go rather than treating them separately. Because quite frankly, at the minute, it's not really working. <laughs> so we've kind of got nothing to lose. Um, so yeah. that's exactly what they did. They went away and did quite, you know, a lot of really cutting edge research. And what they found was actually aging is is a process that can be modified. It is something that you can actually slow. And it is something that has now been proven to be reversible in saddles and mammals. So wow. that you know, really, really change people's opinions. And now the state the field is in is that you wouldn't find a single scientist that would say that's a stupid idea, because the evidence is so strong now, that you can't ignore the fact that this is actually possible. And the implications of it are actually huge. And that is why it's now appearing in drug discovery. And that is how I got involved in it. Because companies, the drugs companies are now looking, right, how can we do this? How can we develop that pill that one day we'll all take to reduce our rate of aging, which ultimately is going to lower our risk of of multiple diseases.
0: Now, do you think it's even possible for one pill, Nicola? Because here's the thing. I always talk about balanced living. So there's so many different factors to wellness, overall wellness and health and longevity. It's not just one thing. You can't say, I'm going to meditate 5 days a week and then I'm going to live to 100 and I'm going to be healthy and do it, right? So it's yeah. about the nutrition, it's about exercise, it's about that meditation, it's about the stress. So it's kind of like you can't look at it in silos. It's just like everything all encompassing.
1: Yeah. No, I completely agree and you know um just relating what you're saying about you know, there's, there's multiple things that have to be done, and and actually moving that into my world, which is drug discovery, that's always been a major issue in drug development. Is that drugs companies think, well, there's this one target in the body, and if we target that one thing with this one drug, yeah. we'll cure yeah. everything. But it never happens because right. biology is incredibly complex, and there's never just one thing happening. That because that one thing is influencing multiple other different things yes. in the body. Um, And that one drug doesn't stick to one thing in the body. It affects multiple things in the body. Right,
0: right. It's like you take that one drug and it might resolve this one issue. However, it's going to break down two or three others.
1: Exactly. So, yeah, whether it's one drug, a combination of drugs, a combination of lifestyle interventions and a drug, I, I think there will be something because the science is too strong now for there not to be yeah. and for it to be ignored. What that, I, in, you know, in the end actually becomes, I, I, I'm not 100% sure I agree with you that it will be more than one thing. But I think the important thing is that it's there has been a huge paradigm shift of aging, or has been known as this sort of non modifiable risk factor. And now there's this, actually, no, it's modifiable. This is something you can do something about. Yeah, Um, yeah. so there's been several big breakthroughs which have shown you can reverse cellular aging. And that's what I was working on in the drugs companies.
0: So now it's a perfect segue to get into NAD. What Mm -hmm. is it? And how does this fit into the whole aging well picture?
1: Yeah, so so NAD is one of those big breakthroughs. Yeah. So there's been about five different ways that there's been it's been demonstrated that you can slow aging and even reverse it, Um, and NAD is one of them. So NAD has been around for a long time. It's not this new thing (laughs) that suddenly appeared that no one knew about. Um, It's it's actually a very very well studied molecule because Mm -hmm. it's very, very important for our energy production in our cells. Um, And this takes place in these tiny little um, sort of power plants of the cells called the mitochondria. Um, And the mitochondria are are very, very important for basically taking the food that you eat and extracting the energy out of it into a usable form called ATP that your cells actually use as power. Um, And NAD is a very critical part of that process um it's very important in the way that it extract helps to extract that energy um and energy is so important in this process that actually it's found in every single cell in the body because yeah. they all need the energy
0: and it's and more it- in certain places right like more in the brain or is that right yeah.
1: so it, it tend to have more mitochondria in very um in sort of a, organs that need a lot of energy, so like your muscles, your brain, um, things like that. And the the main thing is that if you didn't have any NAD to support that, you would literally be dead in 30 seconds because it's that critical <laughs> to okay. actually extracting that energy that keeps us alive. So what so happens
0: that, when we get older? Yeah, well, it well, that's been
1: known for years. <laughs> okay. You know, that's been known for absolutely years that yes. it's really important. Yes. However... The link with aging is um, kind of more due to one of its other functions, which is perhaps um, more recently researched. Um, And that is that as well as being critical for energy production, NAD also acts as like a signal in the cell to tell the cell to basically switch on repair and maintenance mechanisms in the cell. So things like DNA repair and um, recycling of damaged parts of the cell. Um, it tells a cell to switch on particular genes that are associated with longevity. Um, and they on, they, these things only get switched on when NAD is high. Because basically oh, okay. what NAD is doing, it's almost like signaling what the energy status of the cell is or the body is. And if you have... Um, a lot of a lot of, you know, an abundance of food and nutrients coming in, then what happens is NAD goes low. And it's like, hey, okay, we've got loads of availability of nutrients. And um, we don't need to be careful, we can damage things. And it doesn't matter because we've got loads of amino acids coming into repair, or we can, you know, don't need to recycle that because, you know, we've got an abundance of energy and food coming in. Um, and all those repair and maintenance things get switched off. However, when your NAD is high, it's like signaling actually, you know, we're not getting energy coming in. There's a a lack of food. There's, you know, something's going on. That means we're going to have to look after ourselves and we need to switch that repair arm and we need to make sure we recycle things and be really conservative.
0: Okay, And
1: that's how NAD signals to switch all of these repair and maintenance functions on. And just going back to evolution, that's kind of like a thing that's evolved with time. If you think when we were, you know, back in when we were hunting for food, <laughs> um, we'd go days where we didn't eat anything. So we had to have this this mechanism in our bodies to be able to sense that actually there's no food coming in. So we need to actually preserve, you know preserve or actually we've just got this huge you know we've caught a wildebeest or whatever people hunted for yeah <laughs> um, we've got an abundance so our bodies can almost stand down and they don't have to be as conservative in repair so nad is one of these things in the cell that fluctuates and it actually acts as a signal almost between the outside world and your cells
0: okay i have to clarify this mm-hmm. so you've got somebody who has a horrible appetite oh sorry um horrible nutrition Okay. Mm-hmm. They eat horrible food. They don't have a balanced diet. What's going on with their NAD? Are you telling me they're making more? No. Okay. So, yeah, I want to make less. They're making less. That's what yes. I wanted to clarify. There's low
1: NAD switches off repair, high NAD switches on repair. Okay. So, if you're sitting constantly eating all day, there's no signal. Yet yeah, your body thinks, oh, this is great. I've got all this right. energy coming in. It doesn't matter if it's bad energy, but all this energy coming in. Don't need NAD. Don't need repair. Repair gets switched off. Okay, so, so people that have a bad diet have low NAD.
0: Okay. Okay. And then, you know, there's there's been enough studies to say teenagers and elderly actually are two of the groups that have the worst diet. Mm -hmm. Right. So but if you're young and you're a teenager, you know, eating pizza all the time or or McDonald's or whatever, like what's happening to their NAD? But they're young.
1: So the younger you are, the more resilient you are against NAD loss. So okay. it's unlikely to go, and this goes back to how we're good at being young, yeah. but not good at being old. So basically the, the link with, between NAD and aging is that NAD has been found to decline as we get older. Right. Okay.
0: It's pretty um, huge, isn't it? The, the it percentage. Decline. Yeah. Like what? So what is lose, that stat?
1: You lose about uh, 50% of your NAD every 20 years. Wow. So if you look at the graphs, I mean by the time you're age 80, you have a very small fraction of what you had left when you were young and when you were born. Um, So bearing in mind how critical this molecule is um, for your energy production and for your for your repair and maintenance in your cell, that's pretty bad. (laughs) Um, And so scientists said, okay, if we've got this molecule that is so important and it's declining as we age what happens you know could that be a reason why we don't why we aren't as healthy when we're older like why we've got a lot of cellular damage and why we're not good at being old Um, and what happens if we don't let NAD decline and we actually keep it high Mm -hmm. so they did a lot of studies that demonstrated that if they could supplement um with uh something that would keep NAD high then, and they didn't let that decline happen, or they boosted it back up to youthful levels, then what happened was they got an increase in health span of the mammal. Okay. So that's like reducing the incidence of cancer, reducing the incidence of all the age-related diseases, and actually just better cognitive function, better energy, uh, better just health in general. Um okay. Yes. So that, that was quite a breakthrough.
0: Absolutely. So that means it's very well studied. Now, B3 talk to me about the relation to NAD and vitamin B3 or niacin which everybody knows a lot of people know what the niacin flush is you can't just go and take loads of B- vitamin B3 because you're going to have issues i've actually had that once and it was not good yeah it's like it's, <laughs> it's almost so like nice. a scary feeling like where you you're like what is going on with my body yeah i don't like that yeah. so talk to me yeah. about what the difference is
1: Right, so um, it's a bit complicated, and it's only complicated because regulations have made it that way. Okay, Um, it's all to do with the the way you have to label things on products. Um, So, vitamin B three is like an umbrella term for lots of different molecules. So, niacin, nicotinic acid, niacinamide, which is also known as nicotinamide um nicotinamide riboside, nicotinamide mononucleotides they are all derivatives of vitamin b3 okay are they okay? precursors what, what means, is so precursor what the same? is Sorry. that they're just yeah they're just slightly structurally different
0: okay okay
1: so if you looked at the chemical structure they look pretty similar but they'll they'll have like a, a an atom or a molecule in you know in a different place and um, so they they're, they're very very similar and because of that um they they tend to be grouped as these vitamin b3 derivatives so where it gets complicated is um so you know you talk about niacin and the niacin flush yeah so you might look at a product and it might say niacin on the back but that niacin might have in brackets next to it as nicotinic acid or it might have niacin as nicotinamide so it's kind of getting labeled as niacin, but actually it's not niacin that's in there. It's either nicotinic acid or it's nicotinamide. Oh, gosh. And they are structurally different and the body reacts differently to them. For example, yeah. if you take a big dose of nicotinic acid version of niacin, you will get that flush. If you take the same dose of niacin as nicotinamide, you will not get a flush. right. And it's just so stupid the way it's made to be labeled because it's they're different molecules that, you know, I know this slightly the they're similar, but they're, they're different. And um, so that's just something to look out for. But okay. where they relate to NAD is that they are all what we would call precursors of NAD. Right. And all that means is they're like the, the building blocks that the body needs to make NAD because NAD is actually quite a big molecule and um, so it's generally made within the cells because it's really hard to transport into a cell so the cell makes it right inside where it needs it and basically what the cell does is it takes these precursors from the diet which are these derivatives of vitamin b3 and it transports them into the cell then it assembles them all together using different enzymes into this big nad molecule
0: okay wow All right, that does sound kind of complicated, but I guess you can definitely get NAD production from your food that you eat if you eat enough B vitamins. Because I do know, too, like, you know how B vitamins, they say if you take one, you should actually take the group as well. Because if you take one of them, you can knock out the balance of the rest of them, correct? Correct. what we were talking about before
1: yeah but the one that's really important for for nad is the B b3 derivatives right they're the ones that are important and they're the ones that the body uses to make nad but the you know you can get these B. obviously you can get vitamin b3 from your food Mm -hmm. Um, but the interesting thing is is that actually although your body can take these sort of raw materials, these precursors and make them into NAD, actually the majority of NAD in your cells is actually recycled. So you don't need to make, you don't need to like be taking these raw materials. You just have to have cells that are good at making their own NAD because actually when you're young, that's where your majority of NAD comes from. So basically what happens is that your cell needs this NAD for energy and for repair. And when it gets used in this process, it gets broken down into these precursors. But then the cell has enzymes that just flip it straight back into NAD again. And when we're young, this just keeps going. So as long as you've got that cycle going, which it's called the salvage pathway, it's like your body salvaging the NAD. And as long as you've got that working well, your body just keeps making its own NAD. And that is why it's been found to decline in older people because that is what stops working. That whole process. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: so, you know, talk to me about what happens when you supplement. I know that there's different ways and we can get a little bit into this. There's the NR. Then there's the, I think it's the NMT, no, the you know NMN. it better. Yeah, NMN, right? And these are the precursors. It's not yeah. actually NAD. No. Then there's also patches, there's sublingual, mm-hmm. like there's so many different precursors and I guess forms to take to improve. Yeah. So maybe touch on, because I've tried NR. Which is a brand true niogen, some people may have heard of. And I personally didn't see anything. I didn't say, I mean, maybe it was placebo initially when I was taking it. I was like, oh yeah, I have more energy. And but then it kind of fizzled off. And I feel like yeah. it didn't do enough. So maybe talk about that. Because now that NAD is starting to become bigger, I'd like to people to understand it.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And I think, you know, there's the danger that, you know, this some new science comes out then everyone jumps on the bandwagon and starts throwing out all these different, oh, boost your NAD this way and do it that way. And people don't really understand what they're taking or right. what, how it's working or what it's doing. So, yeah, it would be really good to go over that. So yeah. um, there's several ways that you mentioned that you can boost NAD. Um, the first and most common one is to take precursors. OK, so these are take vitamin B3 derivatives, basically the ones that you've just named that, you you know, you common, commonly find that people take the NR, the NMN, the nicotinamide. And um, they are all the raw materials that your body needs to make NAD. And the idea behind taking these is that if your NAD is declined, then you can take more raw material and then the body will make more NAD from it. Right. So that's that's one, that's one pretty much the most common way. Mm-hmm. Um, the issue with that is when that kind of supplementation first sort of started, it seemed sensible. You know, it seems like if you're deficient in something, take a precursor, that's going to make more of it. Right. But now, as I mentioned before, it's knowing that actually the reason our NAD is really declining is because our cell is not as efficient at actually making the NAD. So I always get people to think of like, the cell is this factory that's making this nad product um and if that factory has become old and the machines are broken and there's you know the raw materials leaking out of the pipes and there's no staff would you say that it's a sensible way to boost production by just simply ordering more raw materials to get dropped off at the gates? no no
0: most certainly not
1: (laughs) what would you do what
0: Well, you got to figure out why it's not working properly before yes. you get the raw materials.
1: You've got to fix the factory. Yes. So you have to fix the machines that are actually going to take the raw material and make it into NAD. Right. Um, so that's a, that's, that is a major flaw. Of, of this precursor approach so that it completely ignores the reason why your NAD is declining in the first place. Makes sense. It's very well known now that it's not declining because you've got a lack of raw material. It's actually declining because the enzymes that are processing that into NAD and recycling it are, are declining with age. Yeah. And now that's very well studied. Um, so the other way that people tend to try to boost their NAD is by using actual pure NAD. Now, if you buy any capsules that have pure NAD in them that you take orally, run a mile. (laughs) Do not use them Um, because NAD will not pass through your gut. It will not get through into the cells. Um, It is a very big molecule. It's also a very unstable molecule. And there is a reason why it's made inside cells. And that is because it very, it really struggles to to go into the cells.
0: So it's not living. So, it's not going to do anything if you take it orally. No.
1: Take it orally. It's going to just get broken down. So complete waste of time. Okay. So that's quite well recognized now. So people, you know, companies try to get around that by saying, okay, we'll give a sublingual right NAD. So that's the idea that it, you go under your tongue and um, it bypasses, it goes straight into the blood and it bypasses um, the gut. Yes. So yes, that gets rid of the problem with the gut, but you've still got the problem that it has to get over the cell membrane into the cells.
0: To actually do the work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because act, NAD actually does its job inside the cells, right. not inside the blood, not inside your plasma in your blood. It does the work inside the cells. So some cells have little channels that can let the NAD through, but the majority of them don't. And there's very limited evidence to show that it can actually pass intact into the cells. And this, the other way is, is IV infusions. They've become very popular, but that's the same thing. Instead of, you know, putting it under your tongue, it goes in your vein, it's still in your blood. And again, very, very limited data to show how it's actually getting through there is some evidence to show that it does increase NAD within the cell, but what it looks like is actually that NAD gets broken down back into the raw material. Then the oh, cell takes yeah. up the raw material, then has to make it back into NAD right. again. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, it's it's not the best way. Um, so so those are the the sort of common ways to boost NAD, and that's how it works. Um, so we look when we got involved in the world of NAD. Um, we said, right, let's look at what the latest science is, what it's showing of what that root cause is. And let's try and design something that actually boosts NAD, but actually addresses that root cause. Mm-hmm. So so as we've got an NAD supplement and basically the way as works is it actually fixes the problem in the cell. So it fixes the factory.
0: Oh, it wow. fixes
1: the enzymes that make the NAD. Um, and that means that Um, you're making your cells actually more efficient at making NAD themselves.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: So it's a a completely different approach. And and we've seen much better results doing it that way. Um, We found that, you know, we've done experiments that have demonstrated that just by fixing the factory and not putting any raw material in, you know, so no precursor, you can actually boost cellular NAD without even having to put any raw material in.
0: Yes, because you I've, make
1: it sounds good at what they were doing when they were young.
0: Yeah, I've seen some of the studies and on your website, and I was amazed. That's why I was like, I gotta talk to this lady and get more info on here and and bring it to the general public because I feel like, you know, I I will promote a product. That I feel works, and sometimes I think, "Oh, it's working," and then I'm like, "Oh, maybe it's not." And mm. so, who is NAD good for?
1: So, you know, it's a common question that I get asked: Is when, like, how old should I be to yeah, start Yeah, how do we know?
0: NAD? And there's there's no real good or at least affordable test to test our NAD, is there? No. The the issue
1: is NAD is difficult to measure. um, And that's because it's unstable. And so it's not a simple case of, you know, popping some fingerprint blood in a tube and posting it away. By the time it arrives at the lab, it's all degraded. Right. Um, So that is an issue. Um, But you know i when i talk to people about this and I, I sometimes show the graphs of how nad declines and what you can see is that it actually declines from the day you're born <laughs> um and you know but if it declines by 50 percent every 20 years that means by the time you're 20 you've lost half your nad that you had when you were born so yeah. that just kind of puts it into perspective of how exponential the decline is um but generally it's not until, uh, sort of thirties, late thirties that it it really is dropping off the cliff. Um, so I would always say around that age and there's no coincidence that that's kind of the age that you start noticing like, Oh, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I don't feel as much energy as I used to. And if I'm at the gym, I'm not recovering as quickly or, you know, my mental focus isn't as sharp as it was or, And there's just little things that people start noticing, you know, your skin, things like that. Um, And yeah, so the types of symptoms, if you want to call them that, that that would be associated with low NAD are um, a real lack of energy. So that's not surprising because NAD is so critical for your energy production. And if it's not available to the mitochondria, then they can't be as efficient at making their energy. So, you know, just a real lack of energy. Um, The other thing is um, your sleep. So a key thing that um, is linked to NAD um, is your circadian rhythms. So these are your 24-hour sleep and wake cycles. Um, And NAD is actually... um, very closely linked to regulating this rhythm. Oh. Um, and what you find is that as people get older, their circadian rhythm is not as strong. So usually when we're young, we have these real strong signals that, you know, sort of going up and down saying melatonin, go to sleep, and then, you know, decreasing, then waking. Um, and when you're older, they're, they're not as big, they're, they're dampened down these signals. So you're kind of, you sleep, isn't as good you get less of restorative sleep um and it's been linked to the decline in nad because nad mirrors Mm. these cycles
0: so does what Um, about quality of sleep so we're talking about so you know how you're supposed to spend a certain amount of time i measure and i think you have one too an aura ring yes of course (laughs) of course um i've had mine for probably about three years and i'm always looking at my recovery my heart yeah. rate variability, my how much deep sleep, that deep mm-hmm. restorative sleep, and how does NAD affect the quality of your sleep?
1: So as your circadian rhythm becomes dysregulated with age, what you usually find is that you get a decrease in your your REM sleep, mm-hmm. so your rapid eye movement sleep. So this is the the sleep that's really important for sort of cognitive function and for, for your sort of mental um restoration when you sleep you put deep sleep which is more for like repairing the body and your REM sleep which is very much for like when your your brain is making new correct connections and it's understanding and processing thoughts and memories and things that have happened through the day so it's it's that one that's 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 really affected as you get older Mm. Um, and it's been demonstrated that basically if you if you disrupt NAD, it disrupts the circadian rhythms, which actually disrupts sleep. So something that we get a lot of feedback on is how well people sleep or, you know, they're measuring that people, especially people that really measure the sleep can really see it's had an impact. Um, And and again, you know, scientifically, that makes total sense because of the way NAD interacts with the circadian rhythm. Interesting. What about HRV?
0: Does it have an impact on HRV?
1: So not directly. So we haven't done any studies to measure that directly. Um, You know, obviously, heart rate variability is a measure of how stressed your system is and how stressed your body is. So if your body is really struggling to repair itself efficiently and it has a lack of energy, then naturally, you know, you're not going to have as high a heart rate variability because your body's going to be under more stress. Um, mm-hmm. although there are no, there are no studies that I know of that actually support that, but theoretically yes, you would think that there's would. a
0: connection. But, yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. there is more, right. That it has a, uh, I guess symptoms for people that, are great candidates for NAD.
1: Yeah. And I guess, you know, there, there are different groups of people that we seem to get really good feedback from. Um, and you know, you can do all the studies in the world in people's blood of like how much their NADs moving up or down and like what's happening to the genetics and things. But ultimately the important bit is, is like, what are people feeling any different? Yeah. And I'd say that there's two uh, major groups of people that we get a lot of feedback from. Um, one group is definitely perimenopausal women. Um, so women who um, have started to really experience like the brain fog and lack of energy and, you know, they're, they're just really not feeling very good at all. Um, and they can't, but they, they don't really realize, this is this is the customer's words I'm going to speak now because they all say the same thing. They all say, we didn't realize how bad we felt till we didn't feel like that anymore. Oh, yeah. Um so they say, you know, they write, they email us and say, our energy is just so much better. We're sleeping so much better. We just feel so much better. And, you know, we can actually think.
0: That's <laughs> um, amazing. So
1: Yeah. So that's, that's a big group. Um, the other group, um, that we find is people that have real issues with any sort of like energy deficiencies. So like people with, um, like chronic fatigue syndrome, um, Lyme's disease, um, you know, things that where people are really struggling with their their energy levels. Um, and we've had some incredible feedback from, from customers who, you know, have said, this has really, really helped with our, our lack of energy um, and actually, you know, changed our lives. That's <laughs> um, amazing. So for us, that, you know, was re- was really incredible. Um, but yeah, the, it, the top things in terms of health are definitely the energy, the sleep and the mental focus. Um, and then there's the other side, which is actually um, things like hair, skin and nails. Oh, um, who which, doesn't like that? Which, yeah exactly um and that's something that we're actually testing more now because we've had you know we've had so much feedback on it in our clinical trial we're doing we've actually started measuring skin parameters because that you know people were were saying they've had such an improvement um but the thing that people seem to to notice is um their nails like how how strong their nails grow um and how fast they grow and for a lot of people you know they're like if it's doing that to my nails, it must be doing other good things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> you know, mean, just having that, that's something they can see and measure. Um, and the other really crazy one, uh, which is something we kind of weren't really expecting is um, reversal of gray hair. <gasps> um, hold on.
0: This sounds so- like spermidine to me. It does mm-hmm. sound because spermidine does some of this as well.
1: Yeah, Yeah, um, which isn't surprising, you know, the pathways they're working on, like autophagy and NADs. Yes,
0: so this does work on the same thing, like autophagy. Autophagy, it improves autophagy, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we started getting, um, like, emails from our customers. Interestingly, they were all men (laughs) originally Mm. um, saying, hey, you need to like, look at this, like, look at my hair. <laughs> um, you know, it's gone that. from gray to black and like everyone's commenting saying I've ever dyed my hair. And I think the reason that it was all the men to begin with is obviously men's hair shorter. So if they're cutting it all the time, it's quite obvious if it's suddenly going, um, you know, a darker color. Um, but then it wasn't until actually my own mum Um, started to experience it and, um, she was, you know, used to have very dark hair like me, um, but is now, you know, completely white, um, at the front. Um, and she actually said, um, before I'd even mentioned that we'd had any, any people, other people reporting it. She was like, like, look at my hair, Nicola. Like it's coming through black. So she's got like this black hair at the front (laughs) and she's like, what's going on? And what about skin, Um,
0: like youthfulness and, um, you know, radiance of your skin, you know, how that kind of disappears as you age?
1: So one of the main things with skin is that you you get a, a a reduction in the thickness of the skin. So it becomes much thinner and that's how you obviously get wrinkles more and you get like a volume. And there's a lot of studies actually directly measuring NAD decline in the skin. Um, And it's been shown that increasing NAD can actually increase um, something called skin barrier function, which is like the thickness of the skin. So it's obviously improving the quality. But then on on top of that, NAD is absolutely critical for something called DNA repair
0: oh yeah um, let's get into this and methylation and all that
1: well when you go out in the sun Okay. Um, you know, even when it is not a sunny day or, or it's not a really hot day, um your the sun and the UV is actually constantly damaging your skin cells and the type of damage it causes is DNA damage, and this is why you know you should wear sunscreen all the time. Um but this is DNA damage, it's constantly suffering DNA damage. And NAD is like the fuel for the repair enzymes that fix this, that are constantly running around in our cells repairing wow. any little bit of damage.
0: That's amazing. Um,
1: and if you don't have NAD, those that repair doesn't happen because that they just can't work without NAD. And the biggest, the biggest by far, cause of um, skin aging is is photoaging, DNA damage from the sun. Mm-hmm. And NAD is critical to fixing it. So boosting NAD levels in your skin cells is definitely a good thing to do.
0: Okay, that's good to know. Now, let's. Uh, can you describe? what methylation is and and then how nad can uh, so there's i just know for myself because i test it i know i'm i've been a very slow methylator and then i've i've kind of swung the other way recently and i'm more of a hyper methylator so perhaps you can Describe what methylation is, why it's important, and how NAD can can change or help methylation.
1: Okay, so methylation um, has become a lot more spoke about recently, um, due to something called epigenetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, quick science lesson. All right, let's <laughs> um, go. <laughs> so, so your genes is like are, are the is the DNA you're born with. Okay. So that is like the instruction guide of how to put your body together and how to make every single part of your body. However, your epigenetics is actually which of those genes are switched on and on or off. Okay, and just to just as an example of how this works, so if you take a um, a cell from your intestines or a cell from your eye, they actually have identical DNA. Okay. But your epigenetics is what tells your eye cell to become an eye and switch the genes on that will make an eye and tell your uh, intestine cell to become a gut cell okay. and switch on the genes that it needs to become that. So it's kind of like the reader that actually switches on and off your DNA. Now, um, there's, there's multiple different ways this can happen, but methylation is important in this. So methylation... Um, is a way that your body kind of like tags things so it's just like a little chemical methyl group and your cells can kind of stick this tag like a sticker almost um, onto things and they stick it on genes to tell genes to be switched on and off um, or they can stick it on proteins to tell them to switch on and off. Um, so it's basically just like this, this way that your cell can basically tell parts of the cell to switch themselves on and off by taking this, this sticker on and off. Um, and the reason that it's it spoke about a lot in relation to NAD is because sometimes when people take um, precursors to make NAD, Um, they suffer something called methyl donor depletion, which basically means that all all these methyl tags get used up. And this causes problems because if you're using all these methyl tags up, they're not available for tagging your DNA or tagging different other important processes in your cell. And that can have lots of negative implications. And the reason that you get this methyl donor depletion um, is basically because if we if we think back to the reason why I was saying NAD declines, it's because the factory and the the, the, the machines that make NAD decline. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're shipping all this raw material in and it's piling up because the factory can't actually turn it into NAD, the factory needs to actually get rid of it somehow before it just all piles up. And this is exactly what happens in the cell. Cells don't like things to build up. So if you're taking all these precursor supplements, but your cell can't actually convert it into NAD because the enzyme is not there, then this precursor builds up. And the way that the cell gets rid of it is it sticks a methyl tag on it. It puts a sticker on it to tell it to get rid of it. And that's how it gets excreted out of the cell so that you don't get all this buildup in the cell. Okay. So when people are taking huge doses of precursor, And it's all building up in the cell. The cell has to use massive amounts of these methyl groups to get rid of it. And then you suffer. And so you lose them. Yeah.
0: So you lose them. And methyl donors, um, that could be like B12 is a methyl donor. Like there's different donors, right? I don't know if you want to get into that. (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. Like, you know, a really common one. So people often take something called TMG or trimethylglycine. Um, alongside precursors, precursors uh, for NAD for exactly this reason, because they know it's a problem, um, trimethylglycine. If you break down the name, it's tri, which means three. Yeah. Methyl, so there's three methyls attached to glycine, which is an amino acid. Um, and then when it goes in the body, it's releasing all these methyl groups to give your body more methyl groups to be able to use.
0: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So if you're a, let's say you're a methylator. is NAD safe to take? Or let's just say, let's speak of more your product because we know enough, I think, about the precursors and you made that really, really very clear for, I think, well, I understand what you're talking about. I think it's very clear. So let's speak about your product specifically, how it would interplay with somebody who's a slow-methylator and somebody who might be a hyper-methylator?
1: So with our product, it avoids the whole methylation problem Beautiful. completely. Beautiful. Because the only reason that methylation becomes an issue with NAD is when the factory is not working, but our product's designed to fix the factory. Oh, beautiful. So it, it actually completely bypasses that whole issue of methylation because it's not, NAD not directly impacting it. It's the buildup of the precursors that actually have to be methylated and removed. So yeah, that's that's how our approach is completely different.
0: That's beautiful. That's really, really good. Okay, holy smokes. I think we've covered a tonne. I don't know if I've missed anything. Can you think of anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to cover? <laughs> thyroid. I, I think we kind of you and I talked about it slightly before, but there's yeah. not a lot of studies on that, right? No,
1: not directly. Um, so there's there's not a lot of studies showing any any links between you know NAD and thyroid function or people with thyroid disease and um, and nad yeah um, so yeah it's 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 a really interesting area because obviously it's a you know it's a problem for a lot of people their, their thyroid doesn't Maybe function as well or you know <laughs> you don't have a thyroid no so, no and, um,
0: and i always yeah. ask because i work with quite a few women who have issues with thyroid mm. whether it's Graves disease or half their thyroid was removed or sluggish thyroid or like yeah. it's like thyroid is like everything it seems mm-hmm. at least for women over 40 in perimenopause it seems yeah. to be huge. So I always ask about that and of course because of me personally. Now mm-hmm. do you know of any contraindications with let's speak of your product specifically.
1: No. So all of the ingredients that are are in our product are all um, GRAS certified, so generally recognized as safe. And, you know, they've been used many times. It's the combination of them that kind of does the magic. Um, But, you know, NAD in general, just like contraindications of that, I think the thing to, to recognize is that NAD is so critical to every single cell, And, and the real fundamental biology of the cell, you know, the thing that keeps the cell going, the mitochondria and the energy and the repair, um, and our bodies are really, really used to having high NAD levels. Like it's not an abnormal thing. Yeah. Can you go
0: too high? Like, is that possible that you can go too high?
1: (laughs) So I don't think there'd be anything that could possibly get it as high as what you had it when you were born. Okay.
0: Okay. Right. Fair and enough. The other
1: thing is, is to, to remember that again, the cells are very good at regulating. So when things become too high, they will deal with it. Okay. Um, and NAD, it kind of exists in two forms. So you might, you might see NAD as NAD plus yeah. or sometimes you see NADH and that's basically, um, they're like a pair of molecules that work together. They just flip between one and the other, um, uh, to adjust the balance.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, so it's not going to make me not sleep. You know how, cause we're talking a lot about energy and having loads of it. So I, the, the one thing that matters the most to me is that I need my sleep.
1: Yeah. No. And if actually your NAD levels naturally fluctuate throughout the day, so they're never just constant. They actually, it looks like a circadian rhythm that you have with your sleep pattern. So it goes up and down like two peaks. So even though you're boosting your NAD, your body is always actually altering its levels. So, you know, we've done experiments where we've, we've took people and we've put cannula in and we've took their blood every two hours. And you can see, you know, their, their NAD levels shift by sometimes 40, 50%, just between a morning and an afternoon or an evening and a nighttime. Um, So your body, no matter what you're putting into it, is always moving it around and adjusting it.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Okay. Well, I think we've covered everything. Your product is called Time Plus, right?
1: Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Nichido Time Plus.
0: Now, yes, yeah, so where can we find you?
1: Um so we um have a, a online store, so it's www.nichido.com and Nichido spelled N U C H I D O. Um and um yeah, we we ship worldwide. Beautiful. Um,
0: yeah. Yes, and I know I have a discount code of 10% off for my listeners, so it's Sandy K10. And you can go ahead and you can find Nuchito on Facebook, on Instagram. You guys are everywhere. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation, and it wasn't too sciencey, I don't think.
1: Hopefully not. <laughs> no thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm always happy to answer any questions. Um I've got my Instagram account which I'm always on, which is just at Dr Nicola Conlan. So if anyone has any questions, I'm always happy to answer them.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Nicola.
1: No problem. Thank you very much.
0: join me next week where i cover off more exciting topics i hope to continue to engage you and excite you and show you that living in your 40s 50s and beyond can be exciting balanced and helpful bye for now